0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, must be nice.
1: Must be yeah. nice. It is nice. I was at the bakery. Oh, was I? Was, was this was this was this not nice? Oh, it was disappointing.
0: They don't do sandwiches after 1 p.m. for some reason. W- what? They don't yeah. do
2: sandwiches after 1 p.m.? After
0: 1 p.m.? But uh, that's uh,
2: mm. but that's still lunchtime.
0: They may have had a policy change because it's absurd that they would do that. I was there after 1pm and I thought I'd try my luck. They were doing sandwiches.
2: That's, okay, in defiance of the rules. In
0: defiance of the rules. Oh, the workers rose
2: up and said, no, <laughs> we will continue to make sandwiches past 1pm.
1: If there's anything a bakery should be making after 1pm still, I feel like it is sandwiches. It sandwiches, sandwiches are the default. Look, it's gone past lunchtime and I really should eat something. I'll grab dot 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 a sandwich. Yeah. The fucking default
0: absolutely um so yeah you know either they have made the right call and altered their <laughs> policies or i got lucky or so i thought or well, so you thought they were all out of prawns.
2: wow Wow, the universe oh. the universe lifted you up to see the peak of the mountain and then dropped you
0: I hate being lifted up to see the peak of the mountain before being dropped It always happens, life's better without hope <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me tell you that, life's better without hope Don't uh, dream If there's anything I... that this podcast has been set up to teach our listeners after nine years
1: it's don't
2: dream. I mean, that's also the message of Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I honestly don't disagree with you. It, it's not one-to-one, but I like I had a similar experience this morning in one of, like, I'm going to aspire and trying to, you know, sort of better better myself, and then, oh, no, everything comes crashing down. I usually go swimming once a week. Uh, you know, it's just a little routine me and Jane have. It's lovely. Um... We've not been for uh, we've not been for like three months because we got some tattoos and you're not meant to swim for a little while after you have tattoos. It's been like three months. We're like, yeah, let's go, let's go swimming again. Let's get up and do some exercise in the morning, and I go and do my little swim. And now my knee is fucking killing me. Ah, uh. and I'm like, this is this is it. I I try and I try and go. You know, I'll I'll look after my stupid physical health. I'll go do a little bit of exercise, and my body's like, oh, you want to exercise me? Fuck off. I know how
0: that goes as someone whose cartilage departed them a long time ago. Yeah, um, how
1: how how dare I go and do a gentle swim in the slow lane uh, with all the little old ladies who are also doing their swims in the slow lane? How uh, dare I do a very gentle warm-up exercise? You're in your 30s. How dare
0: I? You're in your 30s, love. It's, this is it now. This is yeah. this is who you are now. Um, yeah. Although yeah. I'm, I'm left a little, little disturbed um, by the point Conrad yeah. brought up. Because like looking back on the interaction I had at the bakery, it was strange that um, as I left I just heard, Oh you want Sprout Sandwich after one PM, do you? Well what if we do sandwiches and there are no prawns? <laughs> and I turned round and the baker was wearing like a red and green striped jumper.
2: Mmm Little concerned mm-hmm. about that. Mmm.
0: Hate being Krugered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wanna swim after a tattoo, do you? Well, What if you knee get fucked up? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha <laughs> Oh, Laura, we've been kruger That'd be a great TV show. You've been kruger <laughs> Zoom does not enjoy Kruger's voice. Nor did my um, <laughs> local recording. Oh, good. So... Looking
2: forward to that. Oh, the, uh... listeners, the
0: listener's in for a treat. You like put pot- <laughs> P- Pontoid? You like Pontoid? this is the kind of shit I did on it. Uh-huh.
1: You like punquisition, do you? Well, nope. What no, if Stephanie did stupid fucking verses and hurt your ears? Oh. <laughs> No one, no one comes to this show for like you know good good audio quality and audio that is a treat is not no. I think what anyone's like you know tick boxing this show for. No, they come to
0: the rope. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I didn't uh, get a call back from the audition for the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Mm. Uh, can't think why. Odd. Yeah. yeah. Um, bit of a shame bit of a shame. Uh, apparently they went with someone else for Nancy. So <laughs> what could you do? Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, talk,
1: talking about uh, voices, I, I do have mm. a little thing I discovered just before we recorded today that I find vaguely amusing. Um, What's that? So we talked a while ago about that whole Justin Roiland thing and him getting kicked off all his projects for being a bit of a shitty person. Mm. Um, We finally have the first, like... The first one of his projects that we found out what they're doing to replace his voice on. It's not one of the big... It's not one of the big ones. It's not one of the big ones. It's Solar Opposites. A show about some aliens that he did a voice on. Of course. I mean, Justin Roiland,
0: of course, most famous for the Hulu original Solar Opposites.
1: And the only reason I bring this up is because I find it amusing that they're not trying to replicate the Justin Roiland voice at all. Uh, There is a clip... That shows the new voice actor and how they get into that, which is some aliens are playing darts and accidentally throw a dart in Justin Roiland's character's neck and use a badly <laughs> calibrated uh, voice and throat repair ray gun, and his voice is just an entirely different fucking voice. And they're like, "Oh, we could recalibrate the gun." No, one of the other other aliens is kind of horny for the new voice. Therefore, that that's that's what they're doing. You know what? And I just Fine. think that I res- I respect that. Yep, Fine. I respect yeah. not trying to like find someone to go. Oh, jeez, oh, Rick. Like, I
2: honestly think that's the better choice because now you're no longer reminding people of that fucking asshole. That yeah. is true.
1: It's in the category of things of um there's a show called Bob's Burgers. Great sure. show. Oh, lovely show. Uh one of the one of the uh, the, the characters in that um is uh, Jimmy Pesto, yep. a sort of antagonist character. Mm. Uh he he has been his voice actor did Jan- January sixth. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. January sixth shit. Um, and I don't know what they're doing about like kicking him off that show. I know they're kicking him off. Yeah. But all I want to happen is his character, his character in show. I want to get arrested for January sixth riot shit <laughs> as well. And that's just—it's just like now oh, he's gone. He did January sixth. I he's would gone. like that. That would be good. Uh...
0: Um, as far as like the Justin Roiland stuff goes, um, it does still leave the question of Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. But I think I've yeah? got a solution.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Morty. Get in this spaceship, <laughs> sure thing, Rick. They
0: both. I'll do, do them both. Oh, don't do a bad experiment, Rick. I will, Mountain. Shut up. There we are. Sorted.
2: Nailed I got it. a
1: dart in my neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, welcome, welcome to Paulquisition. We ostensibly talk about video games here. Uh how how's has everyone been playing video games this week? I I
2: did I played a game. Yeah. (gasps) I mean I played it a couple of weeks ago. Um and I just held off but
0: briefly because I ain't got much to say. Yeah. Um I didn't see it on the news list. I might have missed it. But
1: Chocobo GP... Oh, uh, I I did see this, and I haven't put it on the list. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
0: it's a little ironic that it's a a car racing game, considering all of the walking back Square Enix has done. That was a good one. That's going on my list of jokes for the Stephanie Sterling highly specific video game reference joke book that I'm working on. Um, Yeah, Uh, I basically had time to do one race uh, before I... um, well, before we did this, because uh, I was out being disappointed uh, by bakeries, rushed back at, like, four minutes. So I was like, quick, get on it. Yeah, I had to go with Cloud because I I haven't had a look at fully what's going on. I know everything's now available yeah. in-game. My,
1: my understanding is they got rid of all the microtransactions. Oh, absolutely, and just yes. Everything is just available now. Yeah. And that's just, you can just have all the stuff and you don't have to do microtransactions. Yeah, I
0: should have led with that. But yeah, that's yeah. the big news. That's why I re-downloaded it. Um all the microtransactions gone, everything available in game. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how the content's being metered out, but when I did um uh, log into it, I had like 150 odd premium currency tickety things. Uh so unlocked cloud, unlocked um the uh big pink octopus one. So that was that.
1: Yeah I'm I'm having a look now uh previous uh, characters that were previously unlockable via the season pass can now just be bought with tickets and gil available by playing the game Yeah
0: yeah and uh you know I got start I, I didn't have to immediately start like super long grinding I don't know how well they've balanced it yet but you know I I picked up Cloud um and another character right away and I've still got like 100 tickets so no worries there
2: So how how long did Chocobo GP have these microtransactions in place? Just you know, for oh background. wow, and in-
1: uh, uh, it released twelfth of January last year. Uh huh. So, so about a year and a, a year half. year and a half.
2: Okay, so I, I just I just want to make sure I I'm fully getting this. Then uh, now was this a paid game with microtransactions or just? Of course it was. Yeah. Okay. Well, that be that's at least something. But, um, I mean, in 18 months, they've probably made all the money they're going to make off of the people who weren't going to be pissed off that there were microtransactions in it. Oh,
0: yeah. they've absolutely, yeah. like, like gotten their extraction.
2: Yeah. Um, and I think that just
0: feeds into something I've been saying. Because, obviously, we had a lot of Squenix's live services discontinued uh, in recent months. Um, certainly towards the latter half of last year, beginning of this. And it just speaks uh, to what I've been saying, which is do not trust Square Enix. Do not get invested in their their live products. Do not spend money
1: uh, on their economies because you can't trust it. You won't get screwed. What I would say is wait 18 months before picking up a Square (laughs) Enix live service game because either it will have gone away and you know not to be invested or all the shit will be free now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. Wait a year and a half.
2: It will have died at 12 months, or or your shit's free. But again, you know, now, keeping in mind, this is what I'm getting at, is this is a strategy. I mean, this can be deployed. I don't know that this is necessarily an intentional strategy, but this is very clearly a exploitable route. Oh, yeah. and and, And so I just, I would caution us against no, rewarding I, them by purchasing the game now that the microtransactions are gone 18 months later and they made all the money they were going to make off of them anyway.
1: I like I agree with you. I yes. And I'm not being critical are. of of, yeah. of
2: anyone here. No. I'm just saying no. broadly speaking fuck Square Enix. Well, of course, broadly this is speaking
1: fuck Square Enix, yes.
0: The thing is <laughs> At the very least, I'm amused that their ideal scenario for any of these games is, of course, some perpetual live service mm-hmm. that they can keep exploiting. They have talked about, they talked about discontinuing this game quite some time ago. Um, so it's not like a sudden thing. Right. So it was f- failing. Uh, by all accounts, it did not perform anywhere near how they wanted it to. So I think we could still be kind of celebratory at the walk back. While acknowledging that Conrad's 100% fucking right as well, (laughs) you know. Whatever they extracted out of it, they did get the maximum before they shut down uh, the the store. I don't know how that was, whether they met any targets with it. I I like to think they've been disappointed by it. Because, I mean, this was released around the same time as Babylon's Fall, which of course was uh, a spectacular disaster for them. The more I see these uh, services sort of fall apart, um, the better. Because I think the whole live service concept, the way it was packaged and codified, was a blight. The thing about Chocobo GP is it was a good game, like, fundamentally. That's a a good kart racer that they vandalised. So I'm at the very least pleased to see the vandalisation taken out. So that what could have been a good game can be a good game. So there's that at least.
1: So yeah. Stuff stuff we played this week. Um I've I've not got like a huge amount to talk about played wise this week, but I do wanna talk about um a game which we talked about the other week. Um so I beat the demo for Lies of P. Mm. Yeah. Um that is a that is a chunky demo.
0: Yeah, I saw you list the amount of time you played on it. Yeah, that did is... you play did you play that demo through to the end? I not yet. I actually stopped because I got to the
1: point where I thought the demo was over and it just carried on. It's got three main bosses in the demo. But I played no. like eight eight and a half hours. Um Granted, some of that was me stubbornly fighting the final boss of the demo and refusing to use the NPC summon that was available. I just was like, nah, fuck this, I can do it. Um, but I feel like I have a much better understanding than I did the other week of what this game does well and what I enjoy about it. Um, so I don't know how how aware you are of this, because you didn't. we didn't really talk about this aspect of the game last week, Steph. Right. Um, do you understand the blocking system and how uh, you can recover health via blocks?
0: Uh I recall this was a week ago.
1: Yeah. I can't remember what happened
0: an hour ago, but I I recall like there being a kind of like real emphasis on parrying yeah. and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So the thing that like clicked in my head and make me under- made me understand what this game is going for is that you know how in Bloodborne The game tries to encourage you to be very aggressive with bosses by having a system where if you take damage, uh, it's not like completely missing from your health bar, it's sort of greyed out, and there is a limited window of time in which you can deal damage to the enemy in order to regain that lost health. Lies of P wants you to play similarly aggressively and up close with bosses, uh, but the way that it does this is that you have a block function that... If you are just holding block and like preemptively holding it to block an attack, you will have a similar thing to Bloodborne where you will have some grayed out damage. Gotcha. And as long as you can attack the enemy back without taking like a unguarded hit, you can recover that health. Encouraging you to stay in close. And like if you're unsure about whether you can like get away from an attack, the safest thing to do is block and aggressively get attacking again. There is a perfect block, which if you, like, perfectly time hitting the block button to when the attack connects, there is no damage dealt to you at all, not even, like, the great out kind. Obviously, like, there is an ability to do dodge rolling, and obviously if you dodge out the way of an attack uh, successfully, that is the ideal, because you are sort of getting that, that distance away from the enemy. But I think what the game is really sort of trying to get you used to is stand your ground, Practice blocking. Right. Ideally perfect blocks, but if you don't perfect block and you you preemptively block a little early, that's fine. Use a fast weapon, get some attacks back in, you'll get that health right back. Mm-hmm. And sort of understanding that that was what the game was trying to drill into me really changed how I played fights and I really enjoyed it. Okay. I am actively really in love with this game and I am very excited for it to come out. Nice.
0: I will just say... On the defensive aspect, Hmm. because I was just uh, looking it up some more again. Yeah. And a couple of hours ago at the time of recording, stories have come out about the director talking about The dodging, which I complained about. Um, And they are apparently going to fix it. Like, they're going to improve it. Fella said in Liza P, dodging and guarding are one of the most crucial elements. Uh, We're currently undergoing a comprehensive evaluation on the various aspects of dodging, including invincibility frames, distance mechanics, and more. That's
1: very good, because I am certainly a dodger more than a a parrier. Well, usually that is me. I'm usually a dodger rather than a parrier, and... I won't pretend that a a part of me, you know, moving towards blocks and parries here wasn't to do with the reliability of the dodge. Mm. But I also feel like the fact that there are these sort of very Bloodborne-inspired mechanics around blocking felt like blocking was sort of the intention it was trying to convince me towards um even without the dodge being improved i will say once you beat the final boss in the demo you go back and unlock a new upgrade tree system and one of the first things you can unlock on that is an additional dodge follow-up which means that you can start doing a double dodge oh cool even if it was not helpful you know in any of the actual bosses i did play around with it a bit and it did feel a little better to dodge even at that point so like there is stuff in that game that will improve that, but I am glad to hear that they're looking at the, the balance of the base dodge. So yeah, it's I'm genuinely really happy with uh with, with what I've played of Lies of P. It's it is a it is a really robust demo that gives you a good chance to go, do I like what this is presenting? I would definitely recommend people towards using light and fast weapons over heavy ones, and again, this, you know, Bloodborne was, I think, the same for a lot of people but specifically because a lot of this game's mechanics around getting your health back post-block, or if you've run out of healing items and you can deal enough uh, hits to an enemy, it refills one healing item for you. Those mechanics both really seem to reward lots and lots of small hits rather than a few big ones. But yeah... I am really pleasantly surprised by that game, and I am excited to see what the finished game ends up being like. Um, Also, playing it is infinitely improved if you stick on the Shadow the Hedgehog soundtrack during boss fights. (laughs) (laughs) It is exactly the tone that those boss fights deserve. Go do it. (laughs) What about... Well, uh, what what about you both? Uh, it's Steph. You but what, what yeah, you, oh, yes, a couple, Steph, You yeah. go, Steph. Because you've only yeah. you've only got one. Yeah, gone uh, round. Okay. So, what have you played, Steph? This week?
0: Um, well, I know you've been playing it too, so um, we can do that uh, because I am still quite obsessively playing Street Fighter Six. According to what I saw listed this morning in my stats, I've put fifty six hours into it across all the modes. I know about like thirty. Thirty to forty of those hours have been in uh, world tour mode. Sort of, it's just an it's like a long fucking RPG at this point. Mm-hmm. I've got to be drawing somewhere close to the end because like there's a lot of story stuff culminating, but there's still a shitload left to do. Mm. The world tour mode is so extensive, right. it,
1: It's so much, <sighs> and it's it's all fun. I don't remember the last time a fighting game had this elaborate of a story mode oh yeah like on its own it's a game it's a right? full game
0: on its own but the the other stuff's you know good you know that the proper like fighting yeah. game stuff the battle hub where you can just wander around in this lobby and <laughs> see all of the freaks that people have made as characters people have had a lot of fun with that character creator.
1: They have. They have indeed. You're
0: tiny-headed, big-bellied, t- troll-looking guys with glow-in-the-dark skin. Great stuff. Last week I hadn't done Avatar battles, because mm. in the Battle Hub there were all these like arcade kiosks where you sit down and wait for someone else to sit down, and then you pick one of the established characters. But if you stand in the middle of the hub, then you can open yourself up to use your created character to fight. Yeah. And that's fun, because, you know... It's it's so unpredictable because mm. you build up this character, and as you play World Tour, you can mix and match other characters' special moves. So, you know, I've currently currently my characters like doing the uh, Ryu's spinny kick and Yuri's upward jumpy kick, as well mm-hmm. as the spinning pile driver. Because of course, yeah, and some Cammy stuff, and it's just interesting. To see how people are mixing up all their movesets and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I am still... I mean, you know, my position on Monday pretty much laid it out how much I like this game. I adore it, and I am still genuinely happy. This is the happiest I've been playing a game for a long time. Like, in terms of just undiluted joy. It has been a joy... Plus, I'm really starting to nail doing Marissa's in fold as, mm. as an actual real-life wrestling move. I might bust that out uh, in the London show next Thursday. Um, that's June 29th, for those <laughs> listening. <laughs> it feels very mighty to yeah. grab someone's arm and wrench it as you shove their head down. It's very mighty.
1: I've been really digging this game. I've been playing, like, online matches, and i mm. I've gotten really into it. I've been really gravitating towards uh jury recently um yeah. i really enjoy that whole like setting up the uh the the sort of bars of stuff by doing your sort of back back special kick and then have just like absolutely corner dominating a person and like just kicking them into oblivion i mm. really like her throw move yeah. where
0: she just lifts her oh. foot up on their head and pushes them down and i i i'm not getting off on it who said i was
1: yeah, no, no. Look, literally, no one is going. What, what, what's what's she doing with her feet? Capcom no, know nothing. what they're doing. With, oh yeah, no, you feet. you don't have a fucking like the title screen has her with her foot as big as her face. Like they don't, they know. Yeah, what Yeah, <laughs> like
0: I was playing like her, her little story mode, and between levels, like as it shows you flying to the next level, like her pose is just stood there with a leg lifted up. At face level, yeah. his, and it's his front matose, and center. <laughs> yeah, like front and center. Exquisitely detailed. Thank you, Capcom. Thank you. It's, I just feel sane. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, you've
0: been maining, uh, jury, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've played around with a few other characters. I, I, I'm definitely gravitating, as I always do in these kind of games, towards a lot of the. Faster, more manoeuvrable characters. Yeah. I, d- I definitely am not sort of suited for the uh, the slow and heavy types. No, that's all right. I'm 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 handling that side
0: of it mainly. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I, I've, mm.
1: I've played against enough Marissas to be like, oh, that is a very powerful character that I don't have the patience for. I want to be sat there going, hit button, hit button, hit button. I'm yeah. doing things. I'm doing things. I don't want to be patient.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I, I I've been splitting my time equally between like polar opposite ends of it Mm because marissa is my main but like my second one is cammy
1: oh cammy's been fun yeah
0: she's she's really good yeah real good sort of distance closing moves and sort of ones that shift her behind the other player yeah i found her to be a lot obviously marissa's where my heart is but as a secondary character cammy's been a lot of fun and was nice. fun as well. I've been playing as her a fair bit, and, and she is a... Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Once I got down, like, how her thing worked, which, again, thank you so much to this game for having, like, really nice walk-me-through what the character's deal is and how I'm supposed to be using them. Oh, they're great. Oh, they're so good. They're so good for talking you through, like, hey, look, here's an opportunity to practice it. Here's the situation you can use it in. Here's where you'll get punished yeah, for it. Yeah, they don't
0: just show you the moves. They yeah. tell you how they're best used and give you sort of tactic advice and stuff
1: yeah it's like hey there's this cool upward spinning kick it's really good uh good for punishing sort of jumping characters but you're gonna get punished if you use it like you know wildly so use it in the middle of a combo do a few hits and then go into it so they can't punish i'm like cool that's really good advice it's nice feeling like i'm not having to just like learn through brute force yeah and I appreciate not just having to brute force my way into it. It helps
0: you catch up as well, especially with, like, the older characters, because, yeah. you know, there's been decades of Street Fighter, and some of these characters will have been, like, fully established as what it is they do. So having yeah. that rundown um, that really just sort of brings you up to date with here is what Cammy does, here is what DJ does, it's, uh, yeah, really, really useful.
1: Yeah. You comrades, what have you been playing this week?
2: Um, so I I actually played this a couple of weeks back, um, and I just hadn't, I'm still thinking about it, and not that it requires that much thinking, but I also didn't want it to get like lost in summer games fest stuff last week. Yeah, it's in early access, it's called Capital Punishment 22 XDX. That's uh, capital with a K. Um, now I bought this months ago. And held off on playing it. It's an early access title. Um, and they hadn't implemented any of the single player content at that point, really. Like, they had a little arena, you know, wave-based battle mode that you could play around with. it and get a feel for it. And I was like, I'm not really interested in playing that kind of thing. I'll wait until, you know, single player content comes in. But I am going to buy this game. Uh, which is like five bucks normally. It might still be on sale. I I think the sale for that ends uh, t- the day this comes out, but uh,
1: the the sale yeah, the sale ends one hour after the podcast goes. So on. <laughs> if
2: you're here, quick, go get it. But you know, it's five bucks, and and I'm just yeah. gonna tell you right now, go spend the five. I would have said that before having played it. Um, and the reason for that is, um, capital punishment twenty. 2xdx is not the original name of this game. Uh, this game previously had the title Cop Killer 22xdx, which I then bought sight unseen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but I can understand why it might be good to expand your audience beyond people who would purchase a game called Cop Killer 22xdx sight unseen.
1: You're not wrong, but also I am looking at the logo on the Steam page, and that does appear to be a cop who has been shot through the helmet into his eye. So, like, they're not shying away from it.
2: (laughs) No, subtlety is not their trademark. This, Gabe, is um, one of the most on-the-nose, to a comical extent, portrayals of a corpo-fascist state. Like for God's sake, they have a company that is a fitness logo that's literally a Nazi salute in the fitness logo. It's like they just—they're just, they're not pulling any of that, and, and to an absurd degree. The single-player content that's out now is is like the first act, and I've I've played through that. And the game is a side-scrolling platformer with low-resolution sprites. You've got a, a jump, um, you've got a, a punch. It it It's part brawler, but it has shooting in it also. You do also get a gun. Um, and it has one of those mechanics where the manner in which you dispatch enemies determines the reward you get for having killed them. So mm. if you defeat an enemy with a melee attack, you get ammunition for your gun. And if you kill an enemy with your gun, you get health. And I like that. That works really well. That that helps a lot because uh, the game is incredibly chaotic uh, in combat at times. They, two, three enemies on screen, sure, no big deal. But pretty quickly you'll wind up in situations where there are going to be six, seven, ten. And uh, it's a lot happening. And you're attacks are pretty short range for the melee. The gun is very effective, but you will uh there are a lot of enemies that have riot shields, big guys with riot shields that will block those and you'll need to get behind them. Enemy diversity just in that first act is not bad, and it's a chunky first act. Like I think it's 7-8 stages, 7 stages. So there's a fair amount of content that they launched with that first bit of single player. And uh, the combat is good. The enemy variety is pretty good for, you know, it being, like, a single act. I'm I'm hoping we get to see some more stuff in, in future places, which are going to take us to, you know, different environments um, in the game. So that that's cool. The story of this, it's like a corporate dystopia-type setting that we've seen sort of a lot of. And the inciting event is your character, along with a friend hijack a pharmaceutical company transport vehicle to get needed medical supplies for your community because they stopped accepting the corporate script that is the form of currency used by all of your people and the transfer fees to uh, convert it into cryptocurrency uh, were making everybody too poor to eat. And so you get arrested And taken to prison where another corporation has uh, a contract with the government to provide police services and you're to be converted into a police cyborg. But the computer shuts down before your mental conditioning can be complete. So you've got all of the physical augmentations, but you want to kill cops. It's pretty good mm. it's pretty good um and there's a fair bit of a fair bit of stuff in it the uh, you meet some other npc characters uh that wind up squatting with you uh or mm. I, I say squatting that sounded like squatting as in taking over a, a, a residence from a landlord ah. by force um i meant squatting as in to form a squad of uh, characters yeah. um the other might also be true at some point in the game i would not put it past them and so these characters are tied to the directional pad on the uh, the controller and each provide a, a, a special effect in addition to just being combat characters. Uh, one of them can heal within a range, one of them disrupts uh, enemy electronics, uh, one of them just goes into a rage and, and kills everything, and another one sets turrets, and... These characters come and go depending on the level that you're in. It needs probably a little bit of refinement in those uh, melee combat. It doesn't feel particularly impactful uh, to make hits. And that can be hard to tell if you are actually dealing damage. You are. It works. And nobody takes more than a few hits to take down. But uh, I think if enemies were any more spongy than that, it, it could be a real problem. But it's funny. And it's uh, five bucks, which I think is well worth what's in the game now. And there's going to be it looks like three times the single player content by the time it's done. I really like this game. It's hey. it's something that I bought having no expectations of, and uh, I'm pleased to find that under the hood, it's a Pretty solid game from people who clearly understand how to make a retro platformer. Um, it feels hmm. good to play. So yeah, uh, I would I would say go check out Capital Punishment Twenty Two XDX, even in early access. But I, I will I will probably be talking about this more as it uh, continues because it's, it's nice. I really like it.
1: Yay. Uh, Steph, you played anything else this week?
0: I have. I have played... Well, there's a new Aliens game out, and it's not a genre I'm normally into, but I'll give most genres a go if if there is a selling point that gets my attention. And, of course, anything related to Aliens gets my attention. Uh, like Fireteam Elite, it's published by Focus, and at points it shows that it is <laughs> one of Focus's product. It's... It's hard as fuck, but really kind of interesting. I can't yet tell if it's good. (laughs) It's a horror real-time strategy game by way of Darkest Dungeon. Uh Aha. Yeah. Uh Aha. So, fundamentally, you are controlling a squad of four marines. They all act as one, basically. You tell them to go somewhere, they all go somewhere. You tell them to like interact with a door or get, tell them to like pu- pull off a certain like skill. The game will select one of the Marines to do it. And uh, that's basically how you get about. There are these really large maps with missions that you don't have to fully complete in one go. Cause if it gets too shitty, you can pull out. And again, like this is where the sort of darkest dungeon stuff creeps in where there is like some overall goals and you're chipping away at them as you go out on runs. I specifically mention horror because of how difficult, like, the game is. How it's set up its difficulty. Even though you are marines and you've got guns, ammo is finite. The xenomorphs are brutal. Mmm. If you don't select suppressive fire as a skill when they start coming for you, you're fucked. Because you cannot let them get close to you. Suppressive fire is like one of the most important skills you can deploy. As it covers a wide arc and just sort of fires with a low accuracy. But slows down enemies by like 70%. Which really buys you time. Because like I say, once a, once a single Xenomorph gets close to you. They will hack health, uh, abduct one of the squads. They, they got no problem just picking one of them up and running away and dragging them off. They've got a chance to explode if they're near you and cover you in acid. And there are other sort of... It's not just that the Xenomorphs are kind of intimidating, even just one of them. You have to do everything you can to make sure that more don't know you're there. Because Uh... if you start shooting, the Xenomorphs will take notice and will start hunting you. And there is a phase... That the xenomorphs go through called the hunt phase where they will converge on your last known position and start looking for you. And that can get more intense or you can like hide. They do the, the kind of save room, like safe area thing that darkest dungeon does where if you find an empty room, you can weld the doors shut and rest there, uh, which will um, lower your stress level because this has a stress mechanic. Sort of similar (laughs) to the Darkest Dungeon stuff. Uh, And that race is really fucking quick. Uh, You can get your command points back to do skills and and just various things. And it will save the game as well. If the hunt carries on and you draw too much attention, they go on like an all-out attack and the game straight up tells you like, yeah, you're probably fucked if that happens. Run, get back to your little APC thing and book it. So... Even though it is a squad based strategy shooter, there's hiding mechanics there's stealth, and I have been love that I've been scared, not in the traditional horror sense of uh, like a creepy monster's coming to get me it's those xenomorphs are scary, and I don't want to fight them, so when the motion track is going off and you're seeing like you you bring up the map to find where the white dots are like you are like planning routes to avoid them because this is not a strategy game in which you are encouraged to start going out all guns blazing using your tactic like like your skills wisely like you can deploy turrets and use a shotgun which will like rip through a xenomorph if you're up close all of that stuff but by far the most useful thing you can do is use the motion tracker and work out the best routes to avoid them. It's interesting. I hadn't quite cottoned on to the Darkest Dungeon stuff until I realized that the Marines can get traumatized, have negative quirks and all of that stuff. You can have a Marine who is short-sighted and has (laughs) low accuracy. A marine that is, what's it called, unfit, where they will be exhausted after every mission you send them on. Stuff like that. So there can be, like, lasting problems. And in between these missions is a little bit of a management feature, where you're on the ship, and you can, like, spend resources to unlock new weapons... There are marines that get sent to the medical bay with like fatigue and other injuries and you assign physicians to them to heal them up. You get offered like little scenarios like here's a rescue mission. You will get a new doctor and you will like lose this amount of resource or whatever or a fight's broken out in the canteen. What do you want to do? Do you want to discipline both of them? It'll exhaust them both but they'll get XP or do you want to discipline one and not the other and all of this stuff. And if you don't deploy every round, the threat level on the planet raises so there's that pressure to not spend too long between missions. A lot of that stuff, it is really doing its hardest to capture what Darkest Dungeon had in terms of making the player feel stressed the fuck out. And featuring a lot of characters that end up getting stressed the fuck out. And I'm not yet sure how to feel about it. But mm. I am incredibly interested. Like, I, it's, it's not what I expected when I yeah. saw that they were doing a, an RTS. I thought it would be a lot more straightforward than it is. But I do appreciate that at one point... Like, my first mission was such a disaster. Because I hadn't yet learned to be properly scared. And it reached a point during the mission where a pop-up came up on the screen and just said, the aliens are so hostile and your resources are so depleted that your chances of surviving this are incredibly slim to none. You should leave.
1: I feel like what that video game is doing is the equivalent of when you're playing Dungeons & Dragons and the DM has set up like... Oh, you're going to you're gonna bump into the big bad, you know, early on in the story so you can see, you know, what the threat is and we'll go fight them at the end when you've done many hours of adventuring. No, 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 do not, do not try and pick a fight with them. Do not pick a fight with them. Uh, if you fight them, I, I, I'm I, just going to have to break character and tell you if you fight them, you will die. It's that, that lovely little moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course,
0: the fact that the missions don't all have to be done in one. You don't fail a mission if you run away. You can yeah. fail certain sub-objectives, like you get given a whole bunch of objectives that can shift as you complete them on the map. You know, you can have a rescue mission as part of the deployment where you've got to like, find some non-combatants and-, and get them back to your APC, and they can be killed really fucking easily. Mm. You know, they can be killed and abducted, but you don't get a game over, necessarily. Now, I don't know what happens if if every marine you have gets killed and, you know, things become untenable that way. But near as I can tell, the game is about knowing when to fold them and being very fucking careful and going very slowly.
1: I feel like that's the tone that an alien thing should have.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people, like forget i think what happened in aliens because yeah the spin-off media especially just remembers marines blasting a big horde of aliens rushing at them and and make video games based on that they forget the point of aliens is no one listened to the woman with the experience they went in with their big dicks and their their macho attitudes and got fucked and that's yeah. the point of aliens is these guys were so fucking, like, assured of how badass they were. And the one running his mouth the most was the one ended who ended up crying and whining the whole time. Whereas this game gives you your marines and gives them their guns and gives them all their hoorah, and you start playing it and you're like, oh, I have to be really fucking scared of this. I've got to be worried all of the time. So I really do, I think as far as the dynamic goes... Uh, Really interesting. I didn't appreciate the the last mission I played. I was doing quite well. I was being super careful. I was avoiding trouble. And then suddenly just some Xenomorphs popped up, kicked the shit out of me, wounded one to the point of incapacitation, and dragged another one off. (sighs) I still tried with two Marines, but eventually reached a point where I'm like, it's too hot now and I should leave. So it does feel like there are going to be points... Well, there just was a point where... I felt I was doing really well, and then the game just went, nah. And I don't know how annoying that's going to become. Speaking of annoying, the other thing that I really don't appreciate, and you can't toggle it, I went in the menu and desperately looked, the marines don't shut up when you command them to move, and there's always someone going, move, move! Pick up the pace, you slugs! Pick up the pace, you slugs! Move, move! pick up the pace. you like it's just, they've got like a tiny pool of things they say and every yeah. time you move them they say it and it's fucking annoying other than that i've still got to spend more time with it to find out how much i actually like it but it is fascinating i think to blend what it's blending together genre wise and do that as an aliens game to boot fascinating and I feel like in the same way Alien Isolation captured the spirit of the first Alien film, mm. this game in its own strange, janky way is doing a pretty good job of, of capturing the actual theme, one of the central themes, behind Aliens. I'm very interested yeah. in that. Very interested by that. So yeah, yeah. Wait. Um,
1: Is that everything we played this week or has anyone got anything else?
2: I think think that's it, yeah Yeah.
1: Well in that case we've got a couple of little bits of news to do Um, You know where I'm going to start today? Uh, This is just a little quick one we can get out of the way Anyone who watched Summer Games Fest opening night When that happened the other week Might have noticed, and a few people pointed this out That two hour show did not have a single woman on stage at any point Which, you know, video game uh, conferences with people on stage you You know how it is Jeff Keighley would like to make it known though he's seen people complaining that there was not a single woman on stage and has responded and I'm gonna summarize his response actually we did have one woman who was planned for the two-hour show but she had to cancel so um it's not our fault there were no women we had one woman and they, they didn't come, so it's not our not, not our fault. Two points. There
2: was all men. I have two points I need to I just really need to make. First <laughs> yeah, of all, yeah, yeah. yes, it is your fault that there yeah, were no yeah. women on the stage, because <laughs> if you had merely attempted to include two, you would right. still have had one. It's the problem with
1: tokenization, sir, is if you only have one person to tick a box, and then something goes wrong, you then appear to have invited no one of that demographic. You know, maybe a 50 50 split would have been less likely to have the women all drop out.
2: Second. You know? If I'm honest, Jeff, can I call you Jeff, Jeff? Just fucking lie to me. <laughs> just fucking lie to me. All you have to do is say, you know, I'm, you're, you're right. I hear your concerns, and we're going to do our best to address this going forward. That's it. Yeah, but
1: he just, he just couldn't let it go and be like, no, no, no. I asked one woman, and she couldn't come, so it's not
2: my fault. It doesn't actually matter if you then follow through the following year, because only, like, 12 people maybe will remember that you lied about this, Jeff. Just lie to me, and then I don't have to talk about this.
1: Right. So, yeah, J- Jeff Keeley's won contractually. Maybe it's a good idea to have one woman didn't come, and that means it's not his fault, no one no way. Or,
2: here's a, yeah, here's a thought. Maybe have two women next year, Jeff.
1: Maybe have two women next year. No? Have, have a backup woman just in case. Ask Mitt Romney. Like, go through yeah. his folder. <laughs>
2: wow, you're yeah. really pulling that. Uh, that is an old, old joke. I have s- the binders see, full of you women.
0: you can't see the yeah. smile on my face uh, i I am like a, a the the proverbial cat that got the cream. I am so pleased with what I said. My old out of
2: date satirical well, you, you know you might be ahead of the curve mitt's trying to have a a comeback so
1: oh yeah. you know other news we got this week, and this is this is a reassuring headline to read um Redfall developer Arcane currently safe, Microsoft says. <laughs> I love when you have to say
2: that.
0: Yeah, right. Like, like <sighs> I saw this story. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, you know, Redfall was a fucking disaster, and yeah. Microsoft has said, "Oh, well, we're not closing Arcane. We're not. We're not going straight to the doomsday scenario of closing the studio." And I. that is a grim fucking it's kind of a threat
2: isn't it (laughs) like yeah (laughs) yeah
1: speaking to axios uh xbox game studios chief matt also can i just say xbox game studios chief his name is matt booty and that is a great surname and i just have to stop and appreciate the surname booty uh said arcane would remain open that is the plan right now he said they are hard at work on updates and continued content for Redfall. He continued saying he wanted to support them, being able to keep working to deliver the game they had in mind. So all he's actually said is, well, yeah, we're not going to close them right now. They've got to finish unfucking fucking Redfall.
2: Oh. You
1: would hope one, one bad game would not have a great studio closed, but... Mm. That's
2: all it takes. Yeah, that's all yeah. it takes is one bad game yeah and we were and yeah. this is a lesson for all of us we are one bad event from our entire world's being destroyed at all times
0: yeah oh yeah absolutely yep. it's <sighs> i have both come close and experienced moments that have been just so fucked that like you say the whole world changed yeah and i think a lot of us can be sort of complacent about that because we just assume that life will stay normal, yeah. that momentum will keep it going. But yeah, one one failure and it could all go off the fucking rails.
2: And even now, like just three years after, you know, we had a a global event that effectively mm. did this. We can still forget.
0: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> it, it's shocking. Absolutely, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is scary and grim. But I mean. Just to, to be specific to the game industry, just the fact that that is seemingly almost immediately the conversation that this studio with pedigree and a, a line of critically acclaimed and successful games, that the, the discussion instantly turns to, are you going to close them down? Speaks volumes about just how mm. mercenary, ruthless, cruel, short-sighted this industry is, indeed. and indeed, I think it is. I mean, the 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 industry is always precarious and unsustainable. But if we're at the point where you're one one unsuccessful game away, I mean, I say that yeah. we have seen it. It's been a thing for yeah. years. EA does this all the time they love closing studios down regardless of of what their pedigree might be and it's just grim and depressing
2: and there's something to be said for you know as much as a lot of the push for acquisition and consolidation that has occurred within this industry over the last decade has been about companies acquiring intellectual property and so forth it's also about acquiring their competition and at the end of the day, you didn't really give a shit about your competition or you would have been making what they made. So it's easy for you to shut them down. Like, that that's what it is. You were trying to eliminate the thing, you absorbed it into yourself, and now you can more easily eliminate it. This doesn't hurt them. Uh,
1: so yeah, we've got, we got a couple of other bits that we can quickly go through. Um, a, couple, a couple of these we can just skim over because like there's not a huge amount right now, but they're interesting. There's been a bit of news that was doing the rounds yesterday that there's a bit more context to now, and we'll very quickly go through it. Um, Steven Toledo uh, shared a story on Axios uh, about the fact that, you know, we talked about the fact that there's a bunch of gamers trying to do an antitrust suit against the Microsoft Activision Blizzard King purchase, because they're like, hey, we think it's bad for us that you, you might take games off a of PlayStation, etc., One of the things that they have access to is currently being referred to as Exhibit K. The way it was being portrayed yesterday was it supposedly was an internal Microsoft email they'd gotten their hands on showing an Xbox executive saying that the plan around buying Activision was to put PlayStation out of business. Now we have not seen this email, Microsoft's response to this is that while they will not divulge the contents of the email, they say that it was sent in 2019. The implication being that is before officially the announcement of the the intent to purchase Activision Blizzard, and to sort of imply, if an email about us wanting to put PlayStation out of business exists, it's nothing to do with the ABK acquisition, please don't conflate the two. It is interesting, they do not debate... The fact that this email that supposedly is an executive talking about wanting to put PlayStation out of business does exist, and if that somehow happens to surface, it's probably not going to look good for them. Until we know more about Exhibit K, it's tough to say either way what actually is in there, because right now the only description that we have is from a side that has a vested interest in presenting it one way. On a separate note, by the time that this episode of Podquisition goes up, The FTC's case about the Microsoft Activision Blizzard stuff will have kicked off. I think it's like half an hour before this Pogquisition episode goes up. So by the time you hear this, there should start to be like little drip feeds of their key arguments and testimony and stuff. So next week, we'll probably have more of that. The last little bit, and this is the most substantial of the updates to the trying to buy Activision Blizzard King. We know a bit more about what the FTC dislikes about the acquisition. And I think it's honestly a pretty strong argument. The FTC claims that the fact that Microsoft made Bethesda games exclusive to Xbox after acquiring, you know, ZeniMax, Bethesda, etc. is powerful evidence that they, you know, could well do the same after buying Activision Blizzard King. Which I think is a good argument to be made, because, yeah, they have done that before. They have previously gone, it is in our interest to buy a big company and make their things exclusive to us that is undeniably a thing they've done before and i can't blame the ftc for looking at that and going yeah but would, why wouldn't you do that again
2: yeah yeah and i think they will yeah but while we're still on the subject of the uh, activision blizzard king merger yeah i want to um point out just a just a, you know a little bit of additional, like just, just a little reinforcement of my attitude that by the way, Microsoft actually does not care as much about this Call of Duty console war shit as they do about acquiring King. Yeah. John Walker put up on Kotaku a article running down sort of the numbers in, in a study done by Price Waterhouse Cooper on what the gaming industry consists of financially in terms of of sales and Mm. profits. And uh, what they refer to as traditional games, these are, you know, your Call of Duties, your sort of mainstream types of thing. They're a quarter of the industry now. Yeah. And the other three quarters, well, it's 69% nice, but um, (laughs) that's social and casual gaming.
1: Yeah it's it's fucking mobile game ads. Yes.
2: That's that's where that's where the money is. That's where they want to go in games, which is, does not mean that the stuff surrounding Call of Duty and the console war and exclusivity isn't important and a significant aspect of it. And definitely a thing that antitrust people should be yeah. using as the argument.
1: Yeah, from an antitrust perspective, it is a very important argument to make, even if it's clearly not financially what is going to be the biggest
2: deal. Yes, but I do think that we need to be watching Microsoft in the mobile space in in all regards because they they, they mm. want to get into this. I'm certain of it.
1: Yes. I mean, we know that they want to have their own app store on mobile. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the dream they're aiming for, and this is a step that would really help them.
2: Well, it would make it feasible, because they'd have apps that were possible to launch on them.
1: Yeah, they'd have the apps that would kickstart making that a thing people would use. Yeah, that is all the updates for this week on all the things that happened that we give a shit about. Or feel the need to pay attention to. (laughs) Okay.
0: Ooh. Well, that was efficient. Yeah. Yeah. We got through everything. And a good clip. I've got an egg mayo sandwich in the fridge waiting for me. I, yeah, I compromised and got egg. (laughs) So that's something that (laughs) I and everyone around me are going to have to deal with. Speaking of dealing with, Laura, you've got all sorts of deals in the works, all sorts of wheels and deals, and we need to know about them.
1: I do! Uh, You can find me pretty much everywhere at Laura K Buzz, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Other than that, I'm doing a couple of in-person things this week, if you are listening to this on Thursday, um... Friday evening at 7.30pm, I will be taking part in a Neurodiversity and Queer Identity Authors Talk event at the Common Press in London. On Saturday I will be back at the Common Press in London at 4pm UK for a children's book author signing event. Sunday, if you are in uh, Oslo in Norway, 5pm, I don't know exactly where it is, but I'll do social media posts on Sunday about it. Sunday I will be giving a talk in Oslo, about queer identity and its intersection with neurodiversity with another fellow uh, autistic trans author. Should be a really good panel talk event we've got going on that is in Oslo in Norway. I will give you the specifics on social media. Those are some in-person things i got coming up but just look at Laura K. Buzz on social media you'll find me uh What about you, Conrad?
2: Oh, well, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can hang out with me on Twitch at twitchtv zimmerman I'm still playing through Alundra. It has been very, very good. You could buy anti-capitalist propaganda and uh, official Jimquisition merchandise at mercenarycreative.com, and we've got a, a sale going through the end of the month for Pride stuff. Uh, so go check that out. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at Patreon.com/FistShark. And you know who else has a Patreon? A James Stephanie Sterling.
0: That is me, and I do have that. Conrad isn't lying to you. Don't don't call him a liar. Uh, Patreon.com slash Jimquisition that supports uh, this show and the Jimquisition which uh, do check um, that out this week on the uh, uh, Jim Sterling YouTube channel because I'm really proud of it that is one of my favourite videos I've ever made it's about the accessibility in Street Fighter 6 we will have a review for that game on the Jimquisition.com as well either before this goes out or slightly after. Um, yeah. that's check, good. check
1: that video out. You'll get to see my collection of salty Street Fighter players that I've been saving up. Some oh, lovely screenshots in there.
0: Brilliant. The funny thing is, is the uh, the one that posted the Fisher-Price controller. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Just showed a really... I want that controller. I oh, don't care oh, if it makes me a
1: squad. Oh, like, no, no, no. Do you want to know the best thing about that controller? Yeah. If you do the Konami code on it, it recognises it and plays a special little tune for you. <laughs> <laughs> like someone who someone in those video games <laughs> was involved in that 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 Fisher Price control. Oh, I it's love great. that.
0: Oh, I'm going to get one there for definite. Right. Um what else? Right. Uh my next wrestling date is June 29th. Uh that is Fist Club in London. Um that's going to be my London debut. Uh right now I think you can only get tickets via um being on a waiting list cuz I think think we sold it out might have been my fault um but I'm going to I'll keep mentioning it uh, the next confirmed date after that will be July 8th in um York and that's true grit wrestling and then in Manchester on July 9th at uh, the Head Bar in Manchester they it's going to be an evening with Commander Sterling um, which god knows what that's going to be like um but those are the the other oh and august 26th in leeds is another true grit show and that one is going to be utterly huge um in terms of like highlights of my career it's the most Im- like important match i'm i've had uh or will have so yeah uh, that's all that. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time, as will Laura, as will Conrad. We'll all be here. Probably. Yeah. Bye!
1: Bye! Bye!